Good morning, everybody. Nice to see you this morning. Let's pray together, please. Father in heaven, thanks so much for the fact that you love us. You love us with an everlasting love, and we're grateful for that, Lord. We don't, we don't deserve it. It's not like you loved us because we did something so great. You just loved us because you're so great, and you reach out to us all the time. So thank you for that. Lord, thanks that we get to gather together in this place today. We get to be with one another. We get to share together what it looks like to love you back. And so we, we lean toward you today. We invite you to lean toward us, and we want to be connected to you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we approach you today in the name of Jesus, your great Son and our Savior. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here today. My name is Brad. I'm glad you're here. Would you like to sit down? Sure. All right. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for saying so. That was very polite. So, what child is this? I remember right, we sing the song every now and then. We don't, I'm not sure we sing that song here every year, but, you know, every now and then during the Christmas season. What child is this? Because we're, we're all about babies, and I, I, actually I thought about this too late. You know, we always want to celebrate babies, and I, I should have had pictures of my grandchildren. So some of you, I'm just going to alleviate the, uh, the anticipation. You know, I, I, I forgot to put in the end today. So, yeah, I know, deal with the disappointment. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so... No, so, but we love babies, right? So like, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap of sleeping? What, what about this baby? There's a lot of, we've put a lot of stock into this baby over the years, right? Uh, is, is the baby special because shepherds came to watch when the baby was born? Because when my babies were born, no shepherds came. If they had come, it would have been weird, you know, but, but they didn't come and and uh, is a baby, this, this certain baby, is this child special because angels sang? I don't remember hearing angels sing when my babies were born. You know, they probably sang in heaven, but they didn't come and like show up. So, so what about this child? What is it about this child? What child is this? Because really, any child could be called Christ the King. And you can call your baby whatever you want, right? And I mean, we have babies called Prince today. I'm sure there's babies called king, you know. So, so what child is this that we're talking about? What child is this that captivates our attention so much? So that we give a whole season, our whole, our whole world gives a season to him every year to go, let's talk about him, let's focus on him, let's sing songs about him. What child is this? We are in a series these days called Wishing Well, and it's all about the idea that God wishes well for us. He wishes good for us, but he doesn't just wish for good. It's not just wishful thinking on God's part. He actually works for our good. That's the nature of God. He works for our good, and we've talked about that a lot during this series, but he works for our good and for good to work through us. That's the rest of it. He works for our good and for good to work through us. So he wants whatever he is like that makes him work for good in us, he wants that to be transformed in our lives so that we also work for good for others. That's what he has for us. So we're talking about God and his character and what he has for us and what he's doing for us and through us, through his son Jesus. The theme today we're going to address is what I call expansive generosity. What does it look like to live a life of expansive generosity? Because that's who this child, what this child does. That's how this child lives with expansive generosity. We're going to see that as we walk through some scriptures together today. If Jesus Christ is the king, what is he like? And if he's the king, 
How do we become like him? So if you have your copy of the Bible with you today, let's open up and, and uh, look through it a little bit. Uh, we're going to look, first of all, in Exodus chapter 34. So you can look that up. If you, if you, have not, if you don't have a paper Bible, a lot of you are using your smartphone these days for your Bible. We have the YouVersion Bible app on there. And you can look in there under the events section. Uh, we've got some notes. And I put a bunch of extra scripture in there for you this week. Just like, I can't get to all of it. We can't talk about all of it. And so I just put it in there. And you can read it. And it will highlight the stuff that we're talking about today. All right, probably take you about three weeks to read all that stuff. So there's a lot there this time. So uh, Exodus chapter 34, the backstory to what we're going to talk about is this. Moses, the leader of God's people, Israel, has been wandering around in the desert with God's people for, the most, for most of a year. He brought them out of Egypt and across the Red Sea and across the Sinai Desert to the foot of Mount Sinai. And Moses went up on this mountain because God invited him up. And he gets up there and there's thunder and lightning and clouds and dark cover. And it's, it's just a crazy scene up on Mount Sinai. But the people of Israel are not up there. Only Moses is up there with God. The, people, the rest of the people of Israel are down in the valley, on the valley floor, wondering what's happening. And Moses is up there for a day and two days and a week and longer. He's up there and there's all this rumbling and earthquakes and stuff. And the people of Israel, after a while, they get concerned. Because they don't know where their leader went. And they don't know what happened to him up there. And after a while, their concern moved to worry. And after a while, their worry changed to grief because they said, oh, he said, he, he must be dead. No one could stand it up there like that for that long. He, he must be dead. He's not coming back. And in their grief and in their despair, they decided to do something about it and kind of take matters into their own hands. And so they took off all their earrings and their gold jewelry and they put it into a container and they boiled it up, melted it down. And they formed from all that gold, they formed a golden calf. Which doesn't sound all that bad until they bowed down to worship it. And they said, Israel, this is your God who brought you out of, it, out of Egypt, out of slavery. This is your God. See, for them, they'd always been used to God so that they could see. You know, we're, we're used to a God, we're sort of used to a God that you can't see him. But they said, oh, it's way easier to worship a God you can see. So they molded up their gold and they, and they formed it into a golden calf. They go, this is the God. We, we can see him. We like that. Moses comes down from the mountain. He's got two tablets in his hand. They're the tablets that contain commandments. We call them the Big Ten. Ten commandments, right? And so he comes down the mountain finally, and he's got these tablets, and he gets into the camp, and he's all excited to share with them God's commandments. And he sees this golden calf and people dancing and singing and worshiping around this calf. And he gets so angry that he takes those tablets, and he smashes them on the ground. And God says to Moses, Moses, would you come back up here? <laughs> and that's where we pick up Exodus chapter 34, verse 1. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. And I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones. 
and went up on Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Then he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. God says, uh, Moses, those, those tablets that you had, those were, those were kind of important. Would you, would you carve out a couple of um, new tablets and, and carry them up here and come back? We need to talk. I need to write those commands back on the tablets again. Moses goes, okay, and he, he carves out some tablets. He climbs up back up Mount Sinai, and he's ready for God to give the commandments again. And when he gets there, God says, oh, I have a change of agenda. Rather than give you the commands again right away, I want you to know who I am. Sometimes in our lives, we get so focused on God's commandments that we miss God's heart. Some of us have a nature about us where we tend to be judgers. You don't have to raise your hand. This is not an interactive part. But some of us tend to be judgers of others. And we look at the rules. We love the rules as long as we can apply the rules to others. We look at you and how you're doing the rules or how you're not doing the rules probably. And we go, oh, look at you. You're, you're messing up. You're not doing it right. And we condemn others for not keeping the rules. And sometimes we get so focused on the rules that we miss God's heart. God said, Mo Moses, come on up. I, I want, I'll, I'll write the commandments for you again. But I want you to know my heart first. And it says, the Lord passed in front of Moses, and as he passed, he proclaimed his name before him. If you read it through here in the English translation, it says, he proclaimed his name, the Lord. That's not really his name. The Hebrew name that he said, the word that he used is the word Yahweh. It's his memorial name. We'll come back to, around to that in just a minute. But he proclaimed that name, Yahweh, Yahweh, because he wanted Moses to know him. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me. You don't, you don't know me just because you know my name. You know, if you don't know my name, you probably don't know me. But just because you know my name doesn't mean you know me, right? I mean, I could, go, I could stand in front of you and go, Brad, Brad. You go, that doesn't really, doesn't really do much for me. It doesn't really help me much. You know what my name means? Sharp tack. Okay, that's not, that's, that's not really what my parents had in mind. They actually named me Bradley, which means dweller by the broad field. I live on a tenth of an acre. It's not a broad field. <laughs> I don't think my parents named me because like, oh, if we name him Bradley, someday he'll have an estate and he'll be able to take care of us on his estate in our old. I don't think they did any of that stuff. I just think they thought the name sounded good, you know, goes with Franklin. I, I don't know how, I don't even know how they picked it. They never said, we picked your name because of this. I don't know any story behind it. It's just, it's just Brad. Could be sharp tack. <laughs> just because you know my name doesn't mean you know me. We were hosting, uh, Donna and I, we hosted uh, the, our, our house was on the historic Folsom home tour 
yesterday and the day before. We had 700 people um, traipse walk through our house and look around over the last couple of days, which was fantastic. It was really fun. We had someone, uh, someone came in and helped decorate because we're not all that great at it, you know. We put, we put our stuff up and they came in to decorate. I said, you're going you're gonna, to like make this look a little better, right? She goes, oh, I hope so. <laughs> okay. And we're getting stuff set out and kind of do the decoration. And, and she, she called out to me once. She wanted me to come answer a question for her. She called me Bruce. I'm like, oh, nice. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> I'm like, you don't know me. You don't even know my name. So, but, you know, I can call out my name. It doesn't really help you to know me. You have to know something else about me. My name doesn't say all that much. But when, he, when God said to Moses, here's my name, Yahweh, Yahweh, that was God at his core. That expressed God at his core. Because the name Yahweh, it's the name that God gave to him when Moses, when God, God gave to Moses. He said, this is my name. When Moses was talking with God at the burning bush, this bush that was on fire but not being burned up. And it was Moses' first interaction with God. And so uh, God says, I want you to go back to Egypt and rescue my people Israel from slavery. Moses goes, that's fine. But when I get there, they're going to say, which God sent you? Because they have a lot of gods in Egypt and the, and the people aren't going to know which God. So tell me your name. And God says to Moses, my name is, I am who I am. You translate that into the form of a name. It's Yahweh. I am who I am, which means nothing can be added to God. I am who I am. Nothing can be subtracted from God. I am who I am. We have this song that we sing at Lakeside these days. I love it. It's sort of an anthem type song. It's called, I am who you say I am. Such a great song. It's about, it's about God and us. And we say, I am. I say, I am who you say I am. If you say I am redeemed, I am. If you say I'm forgiven, I am. I am who you say I am. God has that prerogative with us. But we don't have that prerogative with God. We don't get to tell God who he is. He says, I am who I am. You can't add to me. You can't take away from me. I am who I am. We're so prone to create God in our own image. We're so prone to say, God, this is who you are. And God says, you can't redefine me. I am who I am. So here's Moses on the mountain. And God says, I want you to know my heart. I want you to know my character. So let me proclaim my name, Yahweh, Yahweh. And then he says, and this is what that means. This is who I am. And he goes on and he gives Moses this statement, this list of who he is. He says, I am compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's who I am. What child is this? We worship Jesus. What child is this? Well, Jesus is the son of God. He has the character traits of God. What are the character traits of God? Well, number one, he's compassionate. Compassionate is some compassion is someone who's sympathetically conscious of the distress of others with a desire to alleviate that distress. In other words, God looks at the people of Israel and he goes, I feel your heart, I see your pain, I get it, and I want to heal you. I see you in slavery, and I want to set you free. He is compassionate and gracious. 
gracious is someone who is marked by kindness and generosity of spirit. That's God. He is marked by kindness and generosity of spirit. That's his nature. That's when he says, I am who I am. That's what he's saying. I am compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, Moses, and abounding in love overflowing in love. That's expansive generosity. That's a description of someone who lives with expansive generosity. And he calls us to that. Every time we worship Jesus and we go, what child is this? He goes, that's what kind of child I am. That's what kind of person I am. That's what kind of person I want you to be. I love that description of God. And it comes all the way through the Old Testament over and over and over. And this is some of what I put in the you uh, version notes for you today is these scriptures that keep saying the same thing, the same thing. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Over and over and over it says it about God, but it only says it once about someone else. In Psalm chapter 112, King David is writing about God's people. And he describes them in the same terms that, he, that, that the rest of the scripture uses to describe God. Look at Psalm 112, verse 1. David writes, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord or who honor the Lord and and who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. They are gracious and compassionate and righteous. God's heart is that his people become like him. Not in every way. Because there are things about God that can never be true of human beings. Like God is omnipresent, the theologians say. It means he's everywhere at the same time. We try hard, but we cannot. God is omniscient. He knows everything. We try hard. That's why we have smartphones. But we cannot. There are things about God that we will never be, but there are some things about God that we can be. And he goes, that's what I want you to lean into. That's who I want you to be. And so King David writes this psalm, and he, and, and he describes us, and he describes, he, the, the way he describes us is the same way the Bible describes God. You guys put up on the screen how the scripture describes God that we saw. God, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And then here's a description of God's people as he wants us to be. Those who fear the Lord are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Same words. He says, I am who I am. And we say, I am who you say I am. And that's who he wants us to be, gracious and compassionate and righteous. Now, 
whenever I come to a talk here at Lakeside about generosity, and this is one of our like five key traits that we're like, we want to build these things into our lives, these crafts into our lives. One of them is generosity. Whenever I come to a talk like this with us, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me because I always feel like my role is to say, let's go further, let's go further. But a lot of it, I look at, I look at you, I look at us as Lakeside, I go, wow, you're generous already. You're really generous already. We, we, we see that a lot. But sometimes when I look at myself, not you, but myself and my own soul, I go, Man, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not all that generous by nature. Sometimes when I think of generosity and an opportunity comes for me to gen- be generous, sometimes when I get to those, I think of the cost of it. And I think, I can't afford to be generous. Now, there's probably not very many of you that are like that. So I'll just give the rest of the talk to myself. (laughs) Sometimes when I think of generosity, I think of it in terms, not of expansive generosity, I think of it in terms of expensive generosity. Like, oh, it's so expensive to do that. It's so costly to do that. It's so sacrificial to do that. I I don't think I can do that. And here's, here's a comparison between expensive generosity and expansive generosity. Expensive generosity considers the greatness of the cost and the loss that will come through it to me. Expansive generosity considers the greatness of the gift and the need and the good that will come through it to others. And where do you want to land? I know where I want to land. I do not want to be one who lives expensive generosity, where it's all about me and the cost and what I'm going to lose. I want to be the one who focuses on expansive generosity, who says it's all about the need and the gift and the good that will come through that gift. The problem with expensive generosity is that it it shrinks our soul. Every time I look at the cost and I go, I can't afford it, I can't afford it, it shrinks my soul. Expansive generosity begins with expanding my soul. And as it does, it expands God's kingdom. Which is why Jesus came into the world in the first place. What child is this? He is the child that came into the world to bring expansive generosity to us, to bring a gift like none other in the history of the world to give his life. He is God who lives out expansive generosity. Now, I know how much God has shaped many of us, many of you, in this regard. I look at things like Christmas around town that happened here at Lakeside yesterday. And I know for the last, for the last month we've been saying, bring toys because we have the toy store and there's going to be a lot of need for toys for these families that have great needs. And so bring toys. And every time we say that, I, I, I think, oh boy, we did that last year. You know, people did it last year, but I don't know if they'll do it again this year. And sure enough, the first weekend comes and you start bringing in toys. And you, sometimes you bring them in, a, you know, one at a time. And sometimes you bring them in a bag or a box full of toys. And sometimes you back your pickup truck in the patio and you, you know, carry all that stuff in. 
And then we clear it out after that week to make room for more. And then it's empty back there again. I'm like, oh, no, they're probably done already. And sure enough, that weekend comes and you got all these toys. And we flood the back again. And then we clear that. We do it again. And over and over and over. And you, you practice this expansive generosity. And what happens when, that, when, that, when you do that is your heart grows. And then it expands your soul. And then it expands God's kingdom. And I watch you do that and I celebrate. Because I want all those things to expand. We saw this when we hosted a few weeks ago. We hosted Hopeful Circle. Sort of a, sort of a celebration of the performing arts over at the Folsom Community Center. And we did it as a benefit to Folsom's Hope. We were able to give over $7,800 to Folsom's Hope through that one event. Because people said, not just they said, oh, I want to go watch the performances, but they said, I want to contribute to something that really matters in this world. And we expressed expansive generosity. And your soul expanded, and then the kingdom of God expanded. We've gone through horrific fire seasons in the last few years, even just this year. Just this year, the car fire up in Reading disaster and we've contributed already $17,000 to people who've lost things in that fire and the campfire destroyed a town called paradise and so far we've given $11,000 to that one and there's more opportunity that's coming for that one and I look at that, that's $28,000 just since the end of the summer that we said, let's just, let's just give this. We didn't, we didn't really plan for it. We just said, we're moved because somebody else is hurting. And so what, what's the nature of God? What child is this? He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. That's expansive generosity. If that's already what God is doing in your heart, God bless you, you lean forward, lean into it. If you look at yourself and you go, yeah, but a lot of times I just kind of focus on the expensive side of generosity. How do I get past that? Because I know where I want to land. I know I want to land on the expansive side of generosity. How do I get there? Here's some things. Number one, make sure you're leaning in to follow Jesus. I don't believe Christians are the only people that are generous in the world, far from that. But I do believe that those who are followers of Jesus become shaped by him in generous ways. So lean in. Maybe you've just been thinking about Jesus. Lean into him by faith. Follow where he takes you. How else do I get on that side of generosity? Here's an easy way. Invite someone to come to Christmas this year. Because you've received the greatest gift ever given. If you're a follower of Jesus, you receive this great gift, the life of Christ. Give it to somebody else. Let it overflow from you to somebody else. You, you know what we're going to talk about this year at Christmas? Can I just tell you what our Christmas program is going to be about? It's going to be about Jesus. I know, it's so provocative. It's like, yeah, it's going to be about Jesus. You go, we talked about him last year. Right. 
See how this works? It's about Jesus. But who is this Jesus? He's gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love. And your neighbors need to hear about him. And our family needs to hear about him. The people in our oikos, our network, they need to hear about him. He shared this great gift with us. We'll share that gift with somebody else. Take away the barriers to expansive generosity. That's why we talked about debt last week, because debt gets to be in the way of our generosity toward others. Sometimes our attitude gets in the way of our, our, our generosity to others. Sometimes the cost gets in our way of generosity to others. Take, take the barriers away. Then decide to make a plan. Decide to be prepared to be generous to others. Because, you know, people, people even, even in our community, and more, more so even in our community, people come up to you and they go, hey, do you have any money? I'm like, yeah, I got money. Uh, it's in my bank account, you know. Hey, do you, do you have any money? And then I go, oh, I don't have a plan. How am I going to help? I don't have a plan. I go, do you have any food? Oh, I don't have a plan. I'd be a lot better at this generosity thing if I just planned ahead. And, you know, here's the deal. I'm old enough to know that I should have planned ahead. I've been approached enough by others to go, I, I should have planned ahead. I've got a friend who now keeps food in the trunk of his car, like, like protein bars and bottles of water and things like that. So when someone goes, I, I'm hungry, do you have anything? He goes, here, i got food. Keep a, keep a gift card in your wallet. You know, I don't like to give cash. Well, all right, keep a gift card in your wallet. Somebody's hungry. Well, I, I don't know what restaurant. Well, pick your favorite one. They'll like it. If you like it, they'll probably like it. And then when someone goes, I, I, don't, I don't have anything, you go, I, I got something for you here. And then when you give that one away, then get another one. Stick it back in your wallet. So you're ready. And then when you give that away, your heart grows and your soul expands and the kingdom of God expands. One way to be ready, I want to let you know something that's coming up this, this Christmas for us. Every year at Christmas, we give a Christmas offering. In addition to our regular, you know, lakeside offerings, we give a Christmas offering. And often it goes to one of our partners here in our community like Powerhouse Ministries or the, the Twin Lakes Food Bank or Folsom's Hope or something. Often it goes to them. But every now and then our need arises and we go, let's, let's use our Christmas offering this year for this thing. So this year we're working with a church in Chico and we're working together to, uh, they're, they're doing a whole project to foster a family. They're trying to get churches around the state to foster a family who lost their home in paradise. So our Christmas offering this year is going to go to a family who has lost everything they have. And I'm, here's what I'm hoping. I hope we have a move that bus moment. Like the expansive generosity of God pours out so much from us to this family that they are overwhelmed with God's goodness to them. To a family that maybe was far, far from God. But now all of a sudden they're overwhelmed with God's expansive generosity to them. Why? Because that's who this child is. That's how our relationship with him works. That's what he wants for us. Lord, I pray for us today. I want us to live out your expansive generosity. And I know 
We're all over the map in terms of how that works for us. Some people go, why are we even talking about this? This is easy. Some people go, why do we have to talk about this? This is really hard. Lord, for every one of us, I pray that you would move us and lead us in the path you have for us. For your kingdom and your honor and your glory. Amen. I want you to meet some friends of mine uh, who are examples. They are they're the beneficiaries of uh, Lakeside's expansive generosity. So you guys come on up, please. I'll introduce them when they get up here. But um, why don't you welcome my friends up here to the stage, please. So... Four or five years ago, we, we embarked on a little journey uh, as a church. We said, let's pour some resources into some funds that will help us change the world over the next 10 years. And we called the whole project Next 10, and we gave some money to pay down debt. We gave some money to other projects like Folsom's Hope and World Vision and uh, our school in Malawi. So we gave a lot of money to those kind of things out of expansive generosity. And then we had a whole bucket or uh, account that we funded some money. We gave about a half a million dollars to fund what we call a protege program. We did this because we found out every time the budget got tight, we cut interns. We said, we can't keep doing that. We need to train up new leaders, young leaders to go into the ministry, serving in God's church as pastors and worship leaders and children leaders and all of those things. And because of the generosity of the church, here's four people that are now serving as proteges among us. And I wanted you to meet them. I want you to hear their story. I want you to be able to celebrate what God's doing through us in the generosity that we share together. So what I want you guys to do is tell us your name and tell us what department you're working in currently. Then we'll ask a couple of other questions. Yeah, so uh, my name is Nathan Sorensen, and I primarily work with the high school students. I also work a little bit with the middle school, and uh, what I do there is mostly teaching and event planning. All right. Yes, I'm Angela, and I work in Kids Fest. Um, I um, support the Kids Fest staff. I assist with the Kids Fest uh, guest service team. I also get to lead and teach in various classrooms uh, wherever I'm needed. My name is Sheldon. Um, I have the privilege of working with the high schoolers next door and um, leading them in worship. Um, I get to just... I get to stir up hunger for God in their hearts, and it's, it's awesome. My name is Jacob. Um, I'm a protege of the worship arts ministry here, so I work with uh, Josh and Jameson. And uh, if you've been coming for the past couple of weeks, you've probably seen me playing drums or bass or guitar or at least kind of trying to. Um, so that covers most of my responsibilities throughout the weekend. Um, but during the week, we've got all different kinds of projects that go on here at Lakeside. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but all of our beautiful art that we have around the uh, worship center here was all designed and created in-house. Like John Bowles, who was leading us in worship this morning, he painted all of these beautiful backdrops. And Nicole Hoover designed these chandeliers and the moon. And so I got to um, help out with a lot of that. And so most of my week is taken up with fun little projects. Yeah, awesome. What I've been doing through the whole weekend at all of our gatherings is giving different ones of them a chance to speak because I don't have time to give everybody an opportunity. I want you to be able to see them and recognize them and go, oh, yeah, that's one of our protégés. I'm going to pray for our protégés. But I want to hear from a couple of you. So, Jacob, tell us, why did you, why did you decide to lean into the uh, protégé program? Why did you, why'd you apply and come join us? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, for, uh, I guess most of you wouldn't know this, um, I just recently moved here from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, I came out here end of June. Um, so since I was in middle school, that was when I really started serving in uh, worship ministry at my home church, and uh, that turned into an internship, and then I got to go 
um, spend some time on staff with our youth ministry, and then I got to go plant a church in Colorado. Um, and so moving out here was just the next step in my life. And the first uh, like two months that I was out here, I wasn't serving at a church, and it was awful. I was so bored every weekend. Um, so I uh, just talked with Josh and Jameson about just auditioning to be on the team. And when I came in to audition, they told me about this program after they had heard a little bit of my story. And so uh, just three of us and John Lee spent some time just in prayer um, together, just seeing if I'd be a good fit and if we really felt like this is where God was leading me to like further pursue some, or pursue some full-time ministry. Um, and I feel like it's been a great fit. Good. I love it. Yeah, awesome. Glad you're here, man. Good. Uh, Angela, tell us about um, what your expectations are. So you go into a program like this, and you're hoping something happens. What is that? Well, my expectation personally is uh, to continue cultivating my uh, relationship with Jesus as well as develop as a leader in ministry. All right. And with children, what's what's your expectation look like as far as children go? Uh, To continue to encourage the young families uh, and to love on the kids that go back there every uh, weekend. It's an amazing privilege to teach and lead um, the story of Jesus, the love. Good. Awesome. All right. So we're going to pray for them together. And I just want, again, uh, get get your eyes on these guys so that when you see them around... um, Sheldon and Nate work over mostly in the blocks. You might not see them as much, but you will see them. <clears throat> and the others work here more in this building. But when you see them, remember to pray for all of them and what God's doing to shape them and to shape us through the work that he's doing in them. Okay? So let's pray together. Lord, thanks so much for uh, our team here on the platform who are leaning into what you have for them uh, in ministry, in serving you, and serving others, in trying to draw people to you. I am grateful for all the things that you want to do through them. They're all at different stages in life. They've got different things going on. They've got different responsibilities. But for each of them, I pray that they would find your uh, design for them, that they would hear your voice to, to them, and that you would lead them as you want them to go. Build them up, Equip them, Lord. Shape them to be able to be uh, beautiful, helpful, uh, visionary leaders as we go forward. Lord, keep your hand on them and your face turned toward them. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.